0: Well, good afternoon. It's a joy and a pleasure always to be with you uh, as a church family and to be united in Christ with you as brothers and sisters in Christ. I bring you greetings uh, from the brothers and sisters in Christ at Westminster Presbyterian Church, and I have been instructed, and so I better do this or I'll get in trouble. Uh, I feel like the Apostle Paul with these greetings. My daughter, Grace says, "Make sure I say hello to the Chomko family, specifically to Lily and Hannah, and I think this specifically is because they were in her uh, uh, in her uh, cabin at uh, uh, at uh, the um, Presbytery camp, so I have done my duty uh, can 't be blamed, but no it 's wonderful to be uh, together with you uh, this afternoon, and I want us to discuss and think about the issue." Of identity. What does it mean? What is our identity? Especially as believers in the Lord Jesus Christ. And as we think about the issue of identity, we recognize that we live in a world of profound confusion, both outside the church and profoundly sadly. Inside the church, we recognize that even in our own uh, denomination as as uh, our past general assembly wrestled with the uh, with uh, the idea of identity and can a person be a gay Christian, and the like, but those are partial realities in a larger sea, I would say almost a sewage where it just seems to change every day, and especially our children have this uh, sense that they're in a place where they don't know who and whose they are. And so I want to uh, address this issue right now because uh, as I, I truly believe the church is going to be absolutely inundated in the years to come with broken, sinful people who are profoundly confused in this issue of identity. And if we don't have the answer to them in the gospel of Jesus Christ. And we are going uh, to be uh, uh, sorely missed in our ministry to them. And so this morning I want us to look at this passage in Mark uh, chapter uh, uh, 3 verses 13 through 4, uh, 11. Thank you. And I want us uh, to look at this. And uh, I'm going to explain how we're going to go through this. But uh, if you would uh, hear the word of the Lord. Then Jesus came to Galilee, to the Jordan, to John, to be baptized by him. John would have prevented him, saying, I need to be baptized by you, and do you come to me? But Jesus answered, let it be so now, for thus it is fitting to fulfill all righteousness. Then he consented, and when Jesus was baptized, immediately he went up from the water And behold, the heavens were opened to him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and coming to rest on him. And behold, a voice from heaven said, This is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. Then Jesus led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. After fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry, And the tempter came and said to him, If you are the Son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread. But he answered, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. And then the devil took him to the holy city and set him on a pinnacle of the temple. And he said to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down Then Jesus said to him, Be gone, Satan, for it is written, you shall, now worship, you shall worship the Lord your God, and him only shall you serve. Then the devil left him, and behold, the angels came and were ministering to him. Would you pray with me? Our Father and our God, we come now in the name of Jesus. We ask for an outpouring of your Holy Spirit, both on Uh, the preacher and on those who hear, that your word with clarity would come forth. Father, that even in this time that we have, that you would open our eyes to the deeper, richer, more fuller truths of the gospel. For those that do not know Christ, even in this setting or maybe online, Father, that your spirit that knows no bounds and your word that is not chained will speak to their hearts in such a profound way that you, Lord Jesus, would call them to life as you did Lazarus. And hearing your voice, it would rise from being spiritually dead in their transgressions and sin and come to life in the Lord Jesus Christ. Father, we pray for healing in this time and moment for people who have been badly hurt and distressed from their youth to whom this message might be challenging in many ways to those even in this present time who are struggling possibly with their sexual identity or all the issues that are going on in our world. Father, we pray that you would speak to their hearts with clarity and your voice would come clearly to them and that the gospel would bathe them and wash them and heal them. Equip us all for the ministry set before us in this wicked and depraved world, we pray. That we may know how to serve those who often do not look like us, do not act like us. But the scriptures tell us, and Paul says to us, for there though there are what was such of you who before Christ lived like that. So we thank you. You We're not better. We're not uh, more self-righteous. But we are dressed simply in the righteousness of Christ, basing our existence and our identity on the finished work of Jesus Christ. Father, would that humble us in profound ways that we may find our rest and joy in who we are in the Lord Jesus Christ. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. I went to seminary later in, uh, <clears throat> in my early life, I guess I would say. Not uh, late in life, but later in my early life. I did 14 years of campus ministry with InterVarsity Christian Fellowship and then uh, felt the call to go to ministry. And I, and I uh, would say to many people that I went to seminary with uh, a, a, a thousand ghosts. And you might think, well, that's a strange thing for a person to say. But what were those ghosts? These were people and their questions and their hearts and their brokenness and uh, the issues that they were wrestling with that came to me uh, in great brokenness for which I often had uh, very few answers. I went to seminary to find those answers to say, how does the gospel address these broken, sinful issues? I want to begin with a story uh, about a young lady. When I was at Illinois uh, State University, she uh, asked to meet with me, and so I met with her in the cafeteria, uh, and uh, we were talking, and she said, uh, I want to leave in a varsity. And I'm like, okay, you want to leave in a varsity. There's no membership, it's not like the church or anything like that, you know. Uh, and, uh, and so I said, uh, Why do you want to leave in a varsity? Oh, I'm a lesbian. And I said, okay. I said, you know, a lot of people struggling with a lot of different issues. And, and again, we welcome you to come and hear the good news of the gospel. We all need the gospel to change us and transform us. But I like it. I like being a lesbian. And I said, okay. That's, you know, still come. We welcome you. There's no issue of, of why you can't come and why you can't listen and why you can't learn and grow. And I sat there and I said, uh, you know, it's interesting, most people just leave. Can I ask you why it was that you wanted to set an appointment with me to tell me that? She said, I wanted to see your reaction. I said, well, how do you think I would react? She said, I thought you'd get up and stomp off. And I said, well, I'm very sorry to disappoint you. Uh, I said, uh, and I'm... i I'm really glad for our conversation. I can remember it as distinctly uh, as uh, those yesterday at this crowded cafeteria. We're sitting there, lots of voices, and I can not tell you other than the work of the Holy Spirit, I had this compulsion of the strangest question in my mind to ask her. There was a lull in the conversation, and I said to her, I have a very strange question to ask you. But uh, may I ask you a question? She said, yes. And I said, what was your father's nickname for you growing up? Now, I can't say it from the pulpit, but it had to do with excrement. She said, whenever he called me, that's how he addressed me. And she had no clue with how she was wrestling with the issues that she was wrestling with, from such an abusive father. Three years later, I was at SIU Edwardsville uh, at, at, uh, at, uh, um, with the university group, and I was meeting with two young ladies in the Goshen Lounge, and uh, they were struggling. One was a cutter uh, cutting her wrists, and uh, the other one really struggled with an abusive past. And so I decided to share this story with them. I shared this story, and one of the girls snickered I thought it to be a little bit rude, and I said to her, can I ask why you laughed? And she said, that was my father's nickname for me growing up. And the other lady said, my father called me a female dog. That was his nickname for me. How do those realities shape a person's heart from youth so that they come profoundly crippled in need for the gospel, almost to a point that they cannot ask, almost to a point that they cannot talk about those realities. And they struggle with the issue of identity. Many of us in our Christian homes struggle with our own issues of identity, profoundly maybe not that severe at all, but we struggle. We're one of many children and we seem to get overlooked or whatever the issues might be. Some of you are third, uh, middle child people. That's me, right? We have that middle child syndrome. Whatever that might be, and it seems like, oh, that's nothing compared to those realities. But sometimes in the quietness of our heart due to the issues that are going on, it shapes us and it shrivels us and we wonder who we are. And so this, this uh, afternoon I want us to look at this passage and what we're going to do is we're going to walk through it as Jesus would have uh, happened to Jesus and then we're going to walk backwards through it in application. Now it's interesting to note that there are only two places in the New Testament where we hear God the Father speaking to God the Son. It's at the Mount of Transfiguration and it's at the, at the baptism of Jesus Christ. In both times, it's the same message. At the Mount of Transfigurations it's for the sake of the disciples. This is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. And here, at uh, the baptism of Jesus, uh, more towards the Lord Jesus Christ himself. This is my beloved Son, whom I love, with whom I am well pleased. The NIV translates it a little bit uh, differently, and I prefer that because I memorize a lot of stuff in the old NIV. They, this is how they put it. You are my son. So speaking to Jesus, you, you are my son whom I love and whom, with whom I am well pleased. Now this is a beautiful blessing. God the Father is blessing God the Son at the very beginning of his ministry. And he's just declaring, you are my Son whom I love and whom I am well pleased. And I would suggest to us that in many ways, shape, and form, though we know the larger theology about the person of Christ, this was part and parcel a reflection uh, of the identity of the Lord Jesus Christ. You are my son, whom I love, in whom I am well pleased. And in this blessing, in this picture of Jesus' identity, are three uh, components, if you will. The first is a declaration of relationship. You are my son. It is a relational reality in which God the Father is speaking in intimate terms to God the Son. And he says, "You are my son." Now there are times and places. Maybe you, as a parent, have spoken that to your child, where your child is confused. Maybe they're fearful. Maybe they're, they're, uh, they've sinned against you and they've come to you, and, and they're kind of shook. And you kind of grab them and you say, "You're my son." There's a don't worry. We're going to work through this. Now, that's not what's happening here with Jesus, but there's this declaration of relationship. And the second thing I want you to know is a holy affection. You're my son. Not only are you my son, but whom I love. The intimate, divine love between God the Father and God the Son is declared at this monumental moment before Jesus enters his ministry. And then finally, there is pleasure and acceptance. With you, I am well pleased. And we see the affirmation of God the Father being pleased with Jesus the Son. Now many in our culture who have a works-oriented reality might look and say, what did Jesus do to please the Father? Well, let's go to the text. This is the first uh, 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 coming to, uh, to uh, 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 focus for his earthly ministry and he hasn't really done anything. And the beautiful thing about this glorious picture is that the affirmation of God the Father isn't based on what Jesus does or does not do. It's simply based in his relationship with him. In other words, simply because he is his son. So here's this declaration, which is eternally true, being declared over Jesus at the start of his earthly ministry that is going to take him through temptation, through emotional, physical, spiritual pain, and eventually to death. And here's this pinnacle declaration of who Jesus is. And that will play import. Notice that Matthew begins chapter 4, and he says, and then Mark's gospel says, and immediately... The Holy Spirit led Jesus out into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And we know the realities of those things, that Jesus fasted for 40 days and 40 nights, suggesting that in his humanity, Jesus was physically and emotionally susceptible to temptation. He was hungry, he was thirsty, he was tired. We know that the three, what the three temptations are. We have all learned this in our Sunday school classes. Turn a stone into bread. Jump off of the pinnacle of the temple and the uh, angels will save you and bow down and worship and I will give you everything. And we're aware of the three times that Jesus uses the scriptures to combat temptation. And I'm sure that all of us have heard profoundly good sermons, way better than this one, on these very elements. As we think about temptation, know when you're susceptible to temptation. Know when your triggers are ready for temptation, where sin seeks to enter in. Is it early in the morning? Is it late at night? Is it when you're tired? Is it when you're frustrated? Whatever those are. Know that the devil will come to you and he will speak to you in tempting ways for power, for glory to fill your fleshly desires. And then finally, know your scriptures, boys and girls, so that you can hide God's word in your heart that you might not sin against him. And those are wonderful, glorious truths that we should all adhere to and hold on deeply to. All of us can learn from that because here is the eternal son of God being tempted in this uh, this way. But there's something missing in the midst of that. And I wonder if you caught it. So we know the three temptations. We know the ways Jesus uses the word. But did you notice that in two of the three temptations, what does it begin with? If you are the son of God. God the Father just declared, You are my son. And the very first thing that comes out of the tempter's mouth is this if you are the Son of God. The temptations are as much an attack on Jesus' identity. Prove it. Show me. Show yourself worthy. And all of a sudden, what is at the center of that reality is what has been spoken over him by God the Father. You are my son, whom I love, in whom I am well pleased. And I suggest to you, brothers and sisters, that many of our children, we prepare them well. They're going to go into a world that is full of, of temptation. Men and women together, I'm so, so glad that you're having a seminar on pornography. It is, it is riddling the church, leaving people in its wake. And the, the devil will come in any way, shape, or form to destroy the glory of God and our relationship with him by causing us to sin. But there's a greater problem in fact, a number of problems. First of all, we don't know the realities and the anatomies, te- uh, we, we don't know the realities and the anatomy of temptation and how or when and what is personally going to be, we're going to, personally going to be susceptible to. I think the larger problem is is that we live in a world and a Christian culture that is more akin to the culture that Amos spoke to when he says there is a famine in the land. Not for bread, not for water, but famine for the word of God. And we need to equip uh, our youngsters. There's a biblical illiteracy, and if they don't know the scriptures, they profoundly and definitely don't know who they are in Jesus Christ. And they are being led to slaughter into a world that is going to tempt them in every way. And their identity, without that identity of who they are in Jesus Christ, is going to leave them empty. And so all of a sudden, the doctrine in the verses of Scripture, if they haven't filtered down to the heart will do little for them at various times if they don't know the application of those realities to the brokenness of their heart. That they are different because of their union in the Lord Jesus Christ. Now most people in in the culture that we live in don't really know what true poverty is. I grew up in Pakistan, and in Pakistan, uh, most of the people who are born poor in Pakistan, 99% of those people will die in that same poverty. There's just absolutely no opportunity for wealth and, uh, and upward mobility. In fact, if you're a poor person and, and you wanted to, to be upward mobile and you asked for a loan, you'd be laughed at because of your station in life. And so, Uh, Because of that, there's a lot of people who beg on the streets. And it's a horrible, horrible sight when a hungry child or a hungry man or a hungry woman comes up and they hold their hand like this. But I want to suggest to us that many of our children in the church are walking out into the world like this because they're empty in their hearts, because they don't know who they are in Jesus Christ. And they go out into the world and they say, give me something, a substance that will define the reality of my own brokenness. And the world and the devil will be all too happy to meet that reality. But there's a big difference between this and this and this. And what do I mean by that? When we know who we are in Jesus Christ, then we are full to overflowing. We are no longer hungry and needy, but we can now bless others from the fullness that is ours in Jesus Christ. And if we don't send our children out in that reality, they will go out with their hand stretched out empty. They might be rich in the realities of our culture, but they might be of great spiritual poverty. Because they don't know who they are in Jesus Christ. Now you can look at the uh, research of many uh, 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 research organizations that look at the church and the church is dying. Did you realize that the PCA is the oldest denomination in America? Now what I mean by that is not that it was the earliest founding But in membership age, it's the oldest denomination in America. And fewer and fewer of our children are returning to our churches. And so we will die off in 10 to 15 years. And our children are not returning. And oftentimes it's because they haven't been prepared. I want you to notice just a little bit about the anatomy of temptation. Because this is what our children will face when they leave into the world. You'll remember the temptations that Eve uh, Eve, uh, encountered. Just think about it in the realm of sex before marriage just for an example. The first question they will be encountered with is the question that Eve was encountered with. Did God really say that you shouldn't have any sex at all? That's what they'll be encountered with. Did God really say it will be an attack on the word of God and its authority? And then they will answer correctly as did Eve. No, God said that that is to be, uh, that is to be kept for the covenant of marriage. And if it isn't, it will do great damage to our hearts and the second question will come through our statement. surely, You won't die. And all of a sudden, what is coming to light is the resolve of God. Come on, God's not going to kill you. After all, everybody's doing it. Do you see people dying? And then the question is the third statement is for God knows. And finally, the goodness of God and his motivations will be challenged. God doesn't want you to enjoy the fullness of life. You don't know what you're missing. And God's holding back on you. And all of a sudden, the word of God will be challenged. And within the word of God is the reality of who they are in Christ. So who are you this afternoon? And we come to this fundamental question of who you are. So let me walk through this passage kind of backwards, if you will. Remember the blessing. You are my son whom I love and whom I'm well pleased. And you might say, okay, pastor, I got that. It applies to Jesus, not to me. What's that got to do with me? My emptiness surely you're not saying that I am the son of God. I'm not. But the missing piece in the issues with temptation and identity is our union with Christ Jesus. That inseparable union with Christ. And the scriptures tell us that the glorious reality for the true believer is that if we're in Christ Jesus, all that is Christ's is ours. Now, I don't say that in any way, shape, or form in the health and wealth uh, malarkey that you might hear. But all that is in Christ is ours. Ephesians chapter 1, you've been blessed in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ Jesus. So know without a shadow of a doubt that if you are in Christ that all that is, is Christ is yours, including this blessing of God the Father. That in Jesus Christ, God the Father proclaims to you, you are my child. I have called you by name, says Isaiah. I have redeemed you. You are mine. And you might say, well, what does that look like in relationship with Christ? After all, aren't we children of God? John chapter 1, verse 12. But to all who received him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, not of blood or the will of man, but born of God. Romans 8 For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear but you received a spirit of adoption as sons by whom you cry out, Abba, Father, the Spirit himself bears witness to your spirit that we are children of God. And if we are children, then we're heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ Jesus. Therefore, in Christ Jesus, God the Father says, you are my child. And then hear this, whom I love. And brothers and sisters, I would say to us that that might come as a shock to many. For some of us grew up in families like my friend. Maybe not that abusive, but maybe in a place of such profound brokenness that we never actually truly heard, or if we heard, we never believed that we were truly loved. See, the reality of blessing comes from God the Father to God the Son. And the covenant blessings of a family come from father and mother down to children as well. Do you promise to raise your child in the love and admonition of the Lord do you trust in Christ for his or her salvation as you do in your own? We take those vows at the baptismal fount. And far too often sometimes we fail to live out those truths and do those very realities. But it is through the covenant family, through the blessings of the fathers and the, and the mothers to their children that those realities of doctrine begin to seep into the heart where often the opposite is happening. And as much as many have been crushed, many have been left devoid of the blessing of, of mothers and fathers and the like. Whom I love. Do you realize this, morning, uh, this afternoon that if you're in Christ Jesus, God the Father cannot love you anymore? And neither can can he love you any less than he already has. Oh, the deep, deep love of Jesus. Vast, unmeasured, boundless, free. Do you believe that? About your heart? Your situation? Your circumstance? That God the Father in Christ Jesus loves you with an everlasting love. And then the blessing goes on, with whom I am well pleased. Now that's a hard one because sometimes we didn't know the blessings of pleasures from our parents. We always did everything wrong. We always were the goof up or the mess up or the whatever. But in Christ Jesus, God the Father says, I am well pleased with you. Some of you might be sitting here and saying, yeah, that's great, Pastor, but you don't know my past. God can never be pleased with my past. The reality is that his pleasure is not based upon your doings or your not doings. It's based on Christ Jesus and your relationship with him. And in Christ Jesus, you are today dressed in the righteousness of Christ. And he sees you in that righteousness, and he is well pleased. And in the reality of being well-pleased is a gateway to sanctification because it frees us to know that whatever we do, fall or fall short or go long, it doesn't really matter because we're loved, we're redeemed, we're seen as righteous in God's sight. Therefore, we are his children, we are loved, and he is well-pleased with us. Do you declare that to each other? Husbands, do you declare that to your wife? Not only in your own person, but as covenant heads. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church. Parents, do you bless your children? Do you declare to them not only your love, but the love of the Father? Do you discipline them instead of punish them? Because punishment has everything to do with anger and wrath. I hope that you don't punish your children. Christ already took that on the cross. Discipline them in love. Discipline them, showing them your deep love for them. As a father has compassion on his children, so uh, God has compassion on us. He disciplines us. Do you bless? Because one day they will be out from under your care. And they will be in the world and they will be alone. And they will be afraid and they will be tempted. Will the scriptures have come down from their knowledge to their heart through your blessing, through your instruction, through your modeling to one another that they might know that they are complete not only in your love as imperfect as it is but in God's love. When I was a little boy last time I came here I shared about my sexual abuse with you guys. And I can remember being a little boy. I was alone. Never spoke to anybody about that till later on. And I would be afraid. I couldn't sleep at night. Most nights I couldn't fall asleep. It was horrid, wretched. And there'd be some times where there'd be a thunderstorm, and I'd come in to my to my mom's uh, 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 bed, and I'd say, "Mom, I'm scared." And uh, she'd usually be too tired to to get up and take me back to bed. So she'd just pull back the covers and I'd be a little chap and I'd get uh, into bed and I'd just snuggle up close next to her and she'd put her hand and rub my head and she would sing to, to me, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you, be gracious unto you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. And somewhere in there I'd fall asleep. In the comfort of the warmth of my mother, her hand on my head, her voice singing to me. When I was 20 years old, my mother was electrocuted, and she was killed in Pakistan. And I returned to Pakistan and I returned to my boarding school where I lived for most of my school years. And we had tin roofs. And one night it was storming. Hail, rain, the electricity was out. And I woke up, a 20-year-old man scared to death. My mother had died just weeks earlier. There was a storm outside and there was a storm within. And I was completely and utterly alone. And I remember walking out into my little apartment and I, and I laid down on the couch and I got up you know, almost in a fetal position. And I was just so scared. And with a grooving lip, I began to sing to myself, May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you, be gracious unto you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you, give you peace. And this overwhelming sense of peace came in the midst of this darkness and the lightning flashing outside. And I learned a profoundly important lesson. And the source of the blessing sang upon me was never from my mother. It wasn't her warmth. It wasn't her hand on her head. It wasn't her soft voice singing to me. She was simply a conduit. But the source of blessing was the God, God the Father. Because now she was gone. But the blessing and its, its reality and my identity continued because it was of eternal reality. And I say that to you because you will speak into your children now for a time, and then they will be gone. And one day they will be in that place of temptation or fear. May they know that the reality of the glory of their home was not simply from their parents' comfort, but from their Father in heaven, who never leaves them or forsakes them. Do you realize that you're loved by God? Maybe you're not a child of God. Maybe today God is speaking to your voice. And if you hear the voice of God and you realize I've never really believed that reality, that Christ died for me, that God so loved me that he sent his son into the world to die on my behalf, then trust in Christ and rest. And allow God to bring healing and peace and blessing into your life. Do you realize that you're loved by God and that you're well-pleasing to Him? Let me just end with this. Imagine, if you would, a young child going off to kindergarten. Some of you don't have to imagine. For some of you, last week was that reality as your children went off to school, maybe, for the very first time. And as you leave them off at school or maybe for the bus, their quivering lips and their eyes are filling up with, with uh, uh, tears as they say goodbye to you and give you a hug. And then you meet them at the same bus stop. Their eyes are bright. They're so excited. They come down. They run into your arms. You hug them. They tell you that they love you and you love them. And then you come inside and they say, I made something for you. I painted you a picture, Mommy. And then they pull out of their little knapsack a picture and they hold it up and there's a quizzical look on your face, but they don't mind because you're trying to figure out what it is. And you say to them, oh, what a lovely dog. It's a flower, Mommy. Yeah, I meant a dog flower. It's such a lovely flower. Let's go and put it on the fridge. Do you like it, Mommy? Yes. I like it, but I love it. More so I love you. Good. I'll make you another one. And off they go. Brothers and sisters, if it was within my power, I could give you, I could gift to you an original Rembrandt at this very moment. One of the Dutch masters. Their color scheme would be better than your child's. You could actually recognize the picture better than your child's. Their brush strokes would be better than your child's. But I can tell you one place it wouldn't show up. It wouldn't show up on your fridge. It might be worth millions, but your child's is priceless. Why? Because it's not based on what they do, how good it looks, because it came from their heart and because you love them. Brothers and sisters, today you might feel inadequate, you might feel fearful, you might even think, God, I have nothing to offer. Offer him what you have and allow him to take it to his fridge and plant it firmly in a precious place and allow him to declare to you this day, you're my child, whom I love and whom I'm well pleased. Let's pray. <clears throat> Father, we are so grateful for the riches of all that we have in Christ Jesus. Without Christ we are beaten and broken, naked and alone. We're of no value. Father, thank you. And while we were yet sinners, enemies, and that in our transgressions and our sins, you sent Christ to die for us. And in Christ you opened to us the riches of your heart. Father, I ask for an outpouring of your spirit to take those riches from a doctoral mental reality to an inward heart reality as well. Transform and change. Help us to know who we are, not just in who we are, in the circumstances and the situations that shape us, but who we are in the finished work of Jesus Christ. We thank you, Father, for the table that is set before us, where you invite your children to come and partake. Thank you that it is so simple and yet so profound. Embed these truths in our heart even as we partake and feast on Christ spiritually in our hearts. For we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.